0: Good to be with you guys this morning. We're kicking off a new series. It's our vision series for this year, for 2021. Last year, we began the year by uh, doing a series called Relentless. Many of us wore bracelets all year long that carried that emblem on it. And, you know, that word relentless means to not quit, right, to not quit again, like refusing in the face of adversity and difficulty to give in and quit, and I think if, you know, if I look back at 2020, that was a good word for me. There were a lot of times I felt like quitting, and a lot of times that maybe I was kind of confused about where my hope was, and that series just kind of helped set the stage, and so this year as we were praying about it, we we decided to go with this theme better. Because I, mean, I believe that there are a lot of us that really want to have a better year. And we're going to dive into that in just a moment. But we like to kick the beginning of every year off with a, a 21 days of celebrations. really 21 days of prayer and fasting. We do this almost every year. And we invite you to do it with us. Now, I don't, I don't know if you've started. Uh, my family is doing a, a Daniel fast, which means we're eating a lot of fruits a lot of vegetables, and we're going to the bathroom a whole lot. So it's just it's kind of what's going on with our family. Um, it's, a, it's a lot, you know, and, and, and I, I think that sometimes we, we just unconsciously uh, don't understand what we're doing in life. We actually, uh, fasting is all about saying no to things, It's about disciplining yourself, recognizing that perhaps there's this thing in my life that takes way too much of my focus. It might be social media. Maybe every time you pick up your phone, you're checking Facebook. Maybe it's TV at night that's keeping you from engaging in your family. And and we don't realize that there are consequences to our yeses and our nos. And here's why fasting is so important, because our lives are defined by what we say yes and no to. Our lives are defined by that. And if we don't learn to carefully regulate and identify. See, a few years ago, we did Dana Fast, and and, and and on Dana Fast, you don't have any caffeine. And I love my coffee, y'all. I'm a big coffee person. And I realized after about three or four days that I was an addict because I got a headache from not having it, and it was pretty rough. Here's, here's something that I've learned in doing this for a few years is that if you always say yes to something, you're in bondage to it. If, you always, if the answer is yes every time. That's why fasting is so powerful. It takes the most, you know, on, on its rudimentary level, the way it's taught in the New Testament, it takes the most basic instinct we have, which is to eat something. And it forces us to say no. I'm, I'm going to say no. And it's that discipline that transcends into other disciplines in our lives. It's a very powerful, powerful thing. So this is 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're about one week into this already. Uh, If you haven't joined us, please join us. Make it 14 days of prayer and fasting for you and your family. We want you to experience this. This week we're going to do a few things to pray with you because prayer is a big component of this. We're going to do some pop-up prayer on Facebook. Okay, if... if, uh, if if you're kind of have been around and been a part of what we do, uh, we're going to do some lives on online. We'd love to be able to pray with you and kind of join with you. And and if you're around, we're not going to announce times or whatever. If you're just live and available to connect with us in that moment, we'd be happy to pray with you. And we're going to do a prayer meeting next Saturday morning, right here at 9 a.m. If you can join us for prayer, we're going to pray for obviously for you guys, but we're also going to pray for our city and for our country. And, we believe that there's a lot of power in prayer, and we'd love for you to be able to join us next week. Now, w- one of the reasons that we, we capitalize on the beginning of a year, it's just like you and me, all right, many of us think critically about our lives around this time of year. We often start the year with the, the hope of better, don't we? We, 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 we start with, the, with this kind of, it's a fresh start. It's, it's a new way. And some of you guys, you, you like you were going to get back into the gym and that happened. Maybe it's going to happen next week, you know, and I'm going to eat better, but it's going to happen next week. All right, we, we, we have a hope of something better. Maybe this year you were hoping for better family. There, there's some things going on in your family. Maybe it's a relationship with your spouse or maybe it's how your kids are doing. And, and really in, in your heart, what you want this year is you, you want to come out of this year with a better family. Maybe for you it's better finances. Now, 2021 was a hard year for many of our friends financially. There were a lot of people who lost their jobs or got shuffled into new jobs and maybe had a few months of being unemployed. It was a tough time. Maybe that's your, your hope. Maybe this is the most popular New Year's resolution. Your hope is for better fitness this year. We're lose some weight, get in shape, all of that stuff. Maybe it's better fitness. And for many of us, I, I hope, representative because of the fact that you're here, that our, our goal is to have a better faith. Maybe your hope is that in this year, you're going to take the next step of obedience in your walk with Jesus. But I'm going to tell you some bad news, okay? I've got some bad news for you to start off. With. Just start it all off with some bad news. It often gets bad before it gets better. It often gets bad. And this is where many of us, we have a hard time with this. Because we think, all right, I'm going to make a decision to get better. And we, we think, well, then things are just going to be up and to the right. They're just going to be so, it's going to get better. But the truth is, is that it often gets bad before it gets better. You want a better family? You want to do a better job as a parent? You want to do a a better job as a spouse? You want to maybe increase the health of your marital relationship? Right? Here's the thing. The journey to better is always going to go through the bad. Always. You want to get better finances? The reason that many of us struggle financially is we make bad decisions financially. It's not the provision. It's our decision. All right? And it's not, it's not that, that we're looking at this thing going, hey, you know what, I, I want better. But if we're going to get better financially, we're going to have to address the bad. We're going to have to be willing to deal with the discomfort of having a budget, making mitigated financial decisions, living within our means. All of those things are a big deal if you want to do better financially. You want to have better fitness. Right? Maybe you want to get in shape. Maybe you want to lose some weight. If that person in here. I'm just telling you right now, if you want that, one of the things that I've learned over the years is that it's going to feel bad, but it'll make you better. It feels real bad to be like 11 o'clock, be hungry, and want some ice cream and say no to it. I know that for a fact because that's what I want. It's, you know, I may not look like it, but I say no to it frequently. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I, uh, let me just share this with you. I, I was... Reading a little bit this week. You know, the, the only way to increase your lung capacity is to get out of breath. Is to push your, your body to the point where it's expended your lung capacity. It's, I mean, that's really how our bodies work. It's, it's painful. It feels bad, but it makes you better. And if you want better faith, if you want to take the next step in obedience with Jesus, you're going to have to face the bad things in life to get better. You're going to have to. So think about that principle that it often gets bad before it gets better. If, if that's true, and I believe it is, then maybe your difficult seasons weren't a setback. And many of us right now would be saying, if, if you looked over the past season of my life, it was challenging, it was difficult. If you really, you know, if I long for and desire better, and the process of moving towards better really involves going through things that are bad and challenging, maybe your difficult seasons weren't a setback. Instead, maybe they were a setup for something It's better. Maybe they were set up for something. It's better. Perhaps, right now, where God has you in life, all the challenges that you've been through, all the pain that you've felt, all the difficulty that you've endured, perhaps all of it was just simply set you up for the next good thing that God has for you in life. So today we're going to zero in on a passage of Scripture. It's in Matthew 7. It's the very end of Matthew chapter 7. It's the end of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. It's the longest kind of consecutive teaching of Jesus recorded in the Scriptures, recorded there and in Luke chapter 9. It's a little bit shorter in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is, is teaching, and he's, it's, it's one of the most radical messages perhaps ever delivered. I went into my history professor, my U.S. history professor's classroom when I was in college, and I sat down, and this is a Western Carolina University, and I sat down, and, and, and we were talking about, about history, and I looked up on his wall, and he had two, uh, two speeches that were framed. One was the Gettysburg Address, which is considered by many historians to be the most significant um speech ever given in American history. They say before the Gettysburg Address, it was, the United States was a plural noun, and after it, it was a singular noun. It's a significant moment in U.S. history. And then the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus. Both of those on his wall. And I asked him about it. He said, because those are the two most significant speeches in human history for me. It's, it's insane. I mean, Jesus begins by literally wrecking people's understanding of what it meant to follow God. As a Jew, it was all about the law. It was all about kind of adapting and, and conforming your life to what the law said. But Jesus kind of comes out of the gates by saying, hey, you might have... You might be thinking that I came to abolish the law, but I didn't. I actually came to kind of fulfill the law. I'm the living fulfillment of that. So let me teach you about that. And he goes on to expand the law, it kind of pushes it to the whole different level. You've heard it said, do not commit murder, which most of us in the room would be like, that's me. I've never committed murder, right? And then he goes, but I say if you've ever hated someone in your heart, you've already committed murder. And all of us would go, oh, no. Because that's me. And then he goes, you know, it's, you've heard it said that it's okay to divorce someone because of marital unfaithfulness or adultery. And Most of us would be like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. And he goes, no, but I tell you that if you've ever looked lustfully on anyone, if you've ever desired anyone, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And everyone's going, oh, no, that's me. Jesus is saying, the the law you've understood is all about behavior, but what I'm pushing it to a whole new level of understanding, it's all about your heart. And he begins to teach about the desire that God has to take captive your heart, to be the sole object of affection and direction. He begins to wrap this up. He says something right before this, and I want you to see this because this is where the whole thrust of this story comes from. Right before he he tells this story at the very end of chapter 7, the very end of the Sermon on the Mount, he says this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Which means we can say we have an identity and not live that way. We can, we can confess it with our words. Lord, Lord was the, the confession of a relationship. Like, you're my Lord, and he's saying, no. No, only, only those who are willing to do the will of God. And, and what he's been, exp- he's been expanding that and showing this is what the will of God, God wants to take captive your hearts. And then he tells his story. Matthew chapter 7 beginning verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents, and the floodwaters rise, and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish. Like a person who builds a house on sand, when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Jesus tells a story. And he tells it in the, in the sense of a metaphor around like how we build our house, how we build our lives we talk a lot about our lives and the things that we want for ourselves and this job or that car or this house. and This is what I'm trying to work on and this is what my goal is for this year. And all of that effort is trying to build a life. And Jesus is using the metaphor of building a house to describe what it's like to build a life. And if you notice, he didn't talk about the floor plan. He didn't talk about how the house was decorated. If you're taking notes, it's the first thing in your notes today. For Jesus, the value of the home started in its foundation. For Jesus, the value of of the home started in its foundation. There was one person who, who built the house on solid rock and one person who built the house on sand. There were two different foundations, rock and sand. And if you think about this, if you think about it, they're very, very different. Rock and In sand, if if you've ever seen bedrock where you dig down and you get beyond the dirt and there's the bedrock that lays beneath all of that and you dig down and you finally get to that, one of the things you're going to notice is it does not move. It is consistent. It is faithful. But sand, every year we take a trip with our Family, we go to the beach, and I have a, a duffel bag that I've stuffed with all sorts of things that we'll, we'll build sandcastles with our kids while we're there. And, and it doesn't matter where you build the sandcastle or how good it is or how big it is. One of the things that you'll notice if you build sandcastles is they're all going to collapse because sand is inconsistent. Rock, Consistent. Faithful, sand, inconsistent. And Jesus is showing us something about this, about the way that we build our lives. There's something else I want you to notice. Both homes that were built endured a violent storm. He describes the storms that came through. One's built with, you know, on the, on the rock, one's built on sand, and, and the, the storms come against both of them. There's, there's rain that comes down in torrents, which means there's a lot of rain. It happens very quickly, and then there's rising floods and, and winds. For, for those who lived, especially in the first century in the Middle East, this would have sounded very familiar. Because regionally, they didn't have that kind of a temperate kind of climate like we live in. It was much drier, much more humid, almost similar to a desert climate. And because of that, they they had a a lot of sand. They had very little rain. But when the rain came, it would rain so quickly. And it would rain so much that all of a sudden, this will make some sense out of some of the scriptures, there would be streams where there were no streams there would be rivers where there were no rivers because that's what it looked like in their climate. And some of us, we don't like this very hard truth that it doesn't matter how you build your house or where you build your house, you will face a storm. As a matter of fact, some of us get quite upset at God Maybe we even start to doubt ourselves or doubt where we are in life because we're enduring a storm. Jesus said something earlier in the Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5, that gives light into understanding God's heart in this, and it's this, that he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends his rain on the just and the unjust alike. Here's the truth. The storms come for the bad guys, And for the good guys. The rain shines on the bad guys, or sun shines on the bad guys and on the good guys. And sometimes we get so confused about this because we start to think that maybe I'm going through the storm because God hates me. Certainly, he can't love me if I'm going through this. But see, the issue for Jesus was not will you encounter storms. It's how will you encounter storms? We're all going to face a storm. Every person that is in this room right now, either has just went through one, is going through one right now, or is about to go through a storm. That's every person in this room. We're all going to face storms. And the issue for Jesus was not, will you, but how will you? And the last observation I want to make out of this text, which is really important, Especially around this time when many of us are making a lot of kind of commitments and goals and resolutions, and we're hustling a lot around that. It's this that consistency, not intensity, wins in the end. It is the story of the tortoise and the hare, right? It is not the fastest, it's the most consistent that wins. And you see that in this. we, We don't have a picture into the methodology that went into building each home, but you have to understand that there was some intensity involved in building each of those homes. Probably even good intentions, someone who was trying to provide shelter for their family. But it all came back to the foundation. Which foundation was going to be consistent? Here's what I've noticed. Our foundation is where we consistently look for strength. Our foundation, the foundation that we're building our life on, is where we consistently look for strength. Maybe right now you're looking for strength in the way that others view you. Maybe it's in the sense of a relationship. Who is that person that when things go wrong at work, you have to call them and download everything to? Because if we pay attention to Jesus' teachings, we can have a good or we can have a bad foundation. One builder built on a bad foundation. And what happened? After all the effort of building their life, it came crashing down. But the other builder built better. And what I want to do this year, what I want for you, is I want us to build better. Many of us, many of us experienced the crash in this past season of our lives where things around us came crashing down, things in our lives came crashing down. And I want you to build better. See, the road to better almost always goes through the bad. So let me give you a few takeaways for today. And the first one is this. If you're not willing to face your bad, you're never going to get better. If you're not willing to face your bad, you'll never get better. There are some of us who feel like it's okay to try to hide or push it away. No, that's not mine. I don't want to think about that. You know, it's real easy to look at everybody else's bad. It's real easy to talk about how we see other people failing and where we see their shortcomings and how they're not doing that right and how this isn't going right, all of that. It's real easy to do that. But the road to better is often going to have you facing your own bad. You'll, You'll never get better until you're willing to face your bad. So let me give you A few questions to help you self-diagnose. How good am I doing right now? How good am I doing right now in some areas of my life in facing my bad? Here's one. Are you willing to own your part in a shared problem? Are you willing to own your part in a shared problem? Some of you are going, shared problem, what the heck you talking about, man? It's either my problem or their problem. There's no such thing as a shared problem. Let me give you a simple illustration. If you go to work and you are you know, an endowed agent in an a organization, you have a job, you have a role, and that organization has a problem, it's really easy to go, it's their problem. But no, it's a shared problem. You're a part of the organization, and because you're a part of the organization, you own a part of the problem. This is most evident for us at home. We see it as parents, okay? It's so common to sit down with a parent, the parent and go, you know, what's going on with your, with it? well, you know, they just got a problem lying. Oh, they have a problem lying? So you're telling me that you're the parent, you set the rules, you enforce the consequences, and they're the only one who has the problem? No. You have a role in that. It's a shared problem. It's a shared problem, especially in the context of a committed relationships, especially in marriage, we see this. I mean, outside of like extreme forces, extreme instances of abuse, right? Problems in marriage are are shared problems. Shared problems. It's, It's not all one person and all the other. This is something that we, we came together to form this relationship. And it's not always, you know, like a 50-50 thing. Sometimes it might be like 60 and 40. And you might be going, well, it's all their 60. If they'd work on their 60%, I'd work on my 40%. But think about that just in the metrics of the numbers. If you address your 40% and get over yourself, then the problem becomes 40% better. Are you willing to own your part in a shared problem? You're never going to get better if you're not willing to face your bad. Here's the second question How quickly do you repent? How quickly do you repent? When you know you have sinned, when someone has told you that there's an offense. When you realize it in your heart that you've crossed that line, how quickly do you repent? How quickly do you repent? Because the distance between the time that you know you should repent and the time you actually do repent is a good indicator of your spiritual maturity. How quickly do you repent? See, you're never going to get better if you're not willing to face and address your bad. Here's the second thing. Storms serve to prove what's bad and what can be better. Storms serve to prove what's bad and what can be better. This is so important because for so many of us, we just look at the stuff that we go through in life and it's like this is just hard stuff. You know, got to get through it. Life's broken. No. There's a purpose in the pain God has never intended to waste one tear that you've shed. Storms serve you. There is a purpose why, for for why they have appeared and why they're raging in your life. They serve to prove what is bad and what can be better, which is why I think In James chapter 1, James says this, look at this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Some of you are going, no way, I consider it pure headache. That's the only thing it's pure. It is pure headache when I go through trials of many kinds. But James is saying, no, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, so let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. This is so important. This is so important. For James, leave that up there for a second. For James, trials are tests. They're tests. And if you're like me, the word test invokes 10th grade Algebra 2, okay? I'm not a very good math student. I, I really, I was a horrible math student, <laughs> a horrible math student. Um, and so, so Algebra 2 was the last math class that I took. That gives you an indicator of my high school education right there. Um, and, and when I think back to Algebra 2 and I think back to taking a test, it always felt like the teacher was out to get me. Like, they were going to throw some stuff in there that I wasn't expecting. Like, God, this is the worst moment. I hate this class. I hate this stuff. I don't really even do it. But, but that's a very twisted perception of a test. I actually was an educator, which is scary on, on many hands. Um, but one of the things that I learned when, when I was in college preparing for that is that a good teacher views a test differently. For a good teacher, a good teacher is working with a student and trying to teach the student. And there's a lesson that they're trying to kind of impart. And they they give a test not to try to get you. They give a test just simply to measure where are you in learning this lesson. Where are you? Have you learned the lesson yet or not? See, some of you keep going through the same test because you've, you've totally refused to learn the lesson. And the test keeps showing you that you haven't learned it. And you keep saying, well, God, you're so mean to keep throwing it. He's saying, no, I'm so good because I want you to finally see what's going on. See, one of the most gracious gifts you'll get from God is a new perspective. One of the most gracious gifts, and that's what a storm does. A storm blows into your life, and you go through a test, and all of a sudden, there are things that you thought that were really good in you that you find out were not as good as you thought they were. There are places where you thought you were really strong, and you find out that I'm not as strong as I thought I was. places where you thought you were really good and you find out I'm I'm not as good as I thought I was. Storms will allow you to see things how they are, not as you want them to be. And it is in many ways one of the most gracious gifts God gives us For some of you, you might be in the process right now, you might just be coming out of a season where you're starting to see some things that you saw as strong, now as weak. Things that you saw as whole, you're starting to see them as broken. And it is a gift. It is a gift to see that. Here's why. Pay attention to what I'm about to say. When you see that which you once saw as beautiful now as broken, you can rejoice because its beauty was a lie. And the storm exposed that lie to you. So let's go back to the builders. One built a house and it lasted. It lasted. One built one that, that didn't, storm blew through and it blew that house down. What was the thing, think back to this, what was the thing that made the house better? What made this one house better? And I can tell you this right now, it is the very same thing that will make your life this year better. If you wanna have a better year in 2021, it is the same thing that made that house better. This is the last thing you know today. If you're going to build a better life, address your foundation. There's far too many of us worried about floor plans and decorations when we have problems in the foundation. We're trying to argue about sofas and colors for paint. You know, the thing about foundations, you don't notice the foundation until there's a problem. I notice a lot of things in my house when I walk in there. If the toilet is overflowing, I know it. I've seen it. If the house is messy, I see it. But I don't do an inspection every day to check out the foundation. I don't get home, walk around, go up into crawl space, you know, kind of crawl around, make sure everything's going. I don't do, you notice the foundation when there's a problem. And there was a problem with one of those houses foundation and you saw it when the storm blew in. And what did Jesus say happened? Here's what he said happened. It will collapse with a mighty crash. That's what happens when our our lives are built on the wrong foundation. And if you didn't pay attention, anything other than the right foundation is the wrong foundation. It will collapse. That's the promise. It's coming. It might not have collapsed yet. It will collapse. And some of you have experienced this in this past season. You have felt the internal pain of your life collapsing around you. So let's go back to that question. What made this house better than the one that fell down? Oh, we could go to like the church answer, right? It's built on the solid rock. It's built on Jesus. Let's pay closer attention to the words of Jesus In Matthew 7, 24, look at this. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Do you realize that both the builders listened? Both builders listened. Listened. Both of them showed up at church and sat in a chair and listened to the pastor. Both of them did. You want to know what made the difference? It's one of them walked out and said, I'm doing that. I'm living it. It's not just about what I get. See, there's sometimes we get this whole moment confused. Because we'll come in here like I'm so dry, my cup's so empty, I just need something. No. No. It's not just about what you get. It's about what you do with what you get. There are a lot of us spiritually that are sitting on a lot of things that we know that we have yet to ever put into practice. Anyone who listens and puts it into practice is wise. You want a better year? Listen. And put it into practice. Address the foundation. Then you can start building. Let's pray. God, right now, in our hearts, there's a lot going on. God, I just pray right now over every person in this room. Help us to see what you want for us. God, there's a lot that's felt bad in this past season. Maybe even right now in our, in our hearts, there might be some stuff that feels icky and gross. And God, we don't want to rush past this moment. Help us to sense the, the work of your Holy Spirit in our hearts. God, help us to know what you're directing us to and what you're designing for us. God, if we've built portions of our lives on a bad foundation, help us to see it. Help us to see it. God, if we've put faith and trust in the wrong place, if, we'd allowed, if we've allowed our hope to migrate to the things of this world, if we started to serve things that are not of you, God, help us to see it and help us to get it right right now with every head bowed, nobody getting up, nobody moving around. As you think about where you are right now with Jesus, it's potentially right now a moment when you would say, like, I, I'm, I'm building on a bad foundation. I've been trying to worry about the paint colors. I've been trying to pick out new sofas. And all the while, it's just building on a bad foundation. You can't fix anything if you have a bad foundation. Right now, maybe it's the moment that, that God is kind of designing for you to have an overhaul to kind of surrender your whole heart, your life to him, and just say, God, come in. Help me to surrender my life to you. I want to build my foundation on who you are. If that's you, right now is the moment for you. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, whatever God's speaking to you, maybe God's speaking to you right now, that this is a moment. Maybe you walked away from God, and it's a moment for you to surrender to him. Maybe right now there's kind of this... Realization that you got to get some things right. You got to own your part, that you have to go and face your bad on the way to getting better. Whatever it is that the Holy Spirit's speaking to you right now, the, don't pass this moment without realizing that right now this is an opportunity for you to say yes to God. Yes, I'm going to be faithful to what you're inviting me to right now. Jesus on the other side of that commitment has so much for you. It's not just about listening, but when you put it into practice, God has so much more for you. And he's paid for it, not through your obedience, but through the death of his son, Jesus. That's what this is all about. So I'm going to count to three. And right now, if if you sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you, and right now, you just want to make a commitment to God and say, God, I'm going to do what you're asking me to do. I'm going to lay my life down. I'm, I'm going to get this foundation in this part of my life right. God, I'm going, to, I'm going to start to address this thing that I know that I've been needing to do. Whatever it is that God's speaking to you right now, this is a moment for you to raise your hand. In just a moment, I'm going to count to three, and you're going to raise your hand and say yes. So I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, if that's you in this moment, and you sense God speaking to you, let's say yes to him. Here we go. One. Two. Three, raise your hand if that's you right now. Raise your hand. I see those hands. I see those hands. That's awesome. So God, we just thank you for this moment together. God, thank you for the the commitments to say that they're going to walk this thing out. God, thank you for the realization that you're building a foundation. And when we build on the right foundation, any storm can roll through and it's not going to knock it down. Is your good God. Help us to trust that. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.